we have long since passed the need to just measure the amount of carbon that's in the atmosphere. It is very clear that there's way more up there than there needs to be. And on the other side of that, our soils are depleting and getting worse than ever. If you remember the interview that I did several weeks ago with Aswin, where he was talking about the Save Soil Movement. Well, it's extremely important. And one company that is going to combine the two of those things is Coergen Solutions. And you will hear today from Michael Wolk, who is the CEO of Coergen Solutions, that they are taking carbon from the atmosphere and putting it to good use to regenerate the soils. And they say regenerative farming is really just a euphemism for farmers making more money than ever before. So make sure you check out this entire interview to see exactly how Coercion Solutions is providing a 350% to 400% increase in profit for farmers. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. Mike, do you mind just telling us a little bit more about Coergen Solutions and what you guys do? Yeah, happy to, Billy. So we convert low-value agricultural waste like almond shells into multiple high-value products that, that frankly help farmers increase marketable yields, increase crop quality, micronutrient uptake, and decrease overall input costs. That overall spread is really about regenerative agriculture. And Billy, we think regenerative agriculture is a euphemism for making more money per farmed acre than ever before. So that's really what we do. And think about it for just a real quick minute here. About 80% of the biomass that's grown on a farmer's field is actually waste. It's not taken to market. That biomass mm -hmm. is loaded with biochemical and biocarbon value. Mm -hmm. We aim to valorize that into solutions that help farmers around the world sustainably intensify their operations. That's awesome. And where do you get the, the almond shells? The, the biomass? Yeah, the almond shells. Yeah, so they're a processing facility. So in California, there's about 1.5 million acres of almond orchards all over the state. And those almond shells are then shipped to about 50 hauler shellers around the state. And they extract the almonds and then they produce literally mountains of low value shells. We send trucks, they scoop those up, they deliver them 10 miles to the away to the Corrigan facility. And that's what we process. The supply chain for us is incredibly simple. That's good, especially nowadays with the way supply chains are going right now. It's just, you can't get anything. So that's really yeah. good that you kept it simple. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. And so are you just using almond shells or do you use other biotic material as well? Right now we're just using almond shells because there's about no oh, 875,000 tons of almond shells in California alone. That's a lot. But we get asked this question a lot. What about other feedstocks? So our platform is what we say feedstock agnostic. It can handle any plant or even animal manure potentially in the world. Nice. Very cool. And why did you decide to create Coergen Solutions? This is my third startup, right? So I'm a slow learner to that end or a glutton for punishment. I'm not sure. Maybe it's both. But I come from the world of scientific instruments and, and technology. 
And in my previous startup, I'm proud to say that company changed the way the world scientists measure understand and report greenhouse gases. Everything from the well-mixed atmosphere to pinhole leaks and natural gas pipelines. And so when you sell instruments into that particular space, you begin to realize that instruments and artificial intelligence and algorithms, blah, 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 all of that can inform you of a problem, tell you where it is and quantify it, but rarely does it solve the problem. Really, it's like having an MRI. It can tell you where the cancer is, how big it is, how close it is to other organs or whatever, but it doesn't go in and extract the tumor and it doesn't prevent tumors from forming. If we take that analogy and apply it to climate change, if we're gonna mitigate our problem, we need to take carbon atoms out of the atmosphere and move them somewhere else. And that somewhere else is what we're focused on. So it's quite analog. So I left tech and left instruments having been informed about the problem and come to realize the only way we're gonna solve global climate security is by solving the trifecta, which is global food, water, and environmental security. They're perfectly linked. And in fact, they're inextractable from each other. Definitely. And you're really focused on being able to provide not only the taking that carbon from the atmosphere, but also providing the the feed, the food with sustainable ways of growing food and continuing to increase our yields and increase production. That's exactly right. Let's think about the simple math, okay? About 40% of the world's land mass is already committed to agriculture. 70% of delivered water goes to agriculture. We need to increase food production, I don't know, is it 50%, 100% in the next couple of decades? So we have no choice but to increase the calorie production and the nutrient production per currently cultivated acres and to do that with the available water, or that imbalance is going to resolve itself in catastrophic ways that's going to cause all kinds of untold human suffering. So then the question just becomes, how are we going to do that? And it's almost binary at that point, right? We can do that with more chemical intensive farming, and we know what that does to soil. We know what that does to climate. We know what that does to human health. Or we got to find ways to do that with biology. Now, the hack that we have is that plants are really solar-powered biochemical factories. That's what they are. They produce a lot of value. They're not defenseless, even though Farmers are told their crops are defenseless all the time, but crops produce chemicals, biochemicals to defend themselves. We produce those chemistries in our distillates, which is basically like the plant's immune system from last year's residues where it's all locked up. We valorize that into liquids and apply that to all kinds of crops this year that, again, help the crops grow faster, higher quality, lower input costs. We think that's the ultimate in circularity and really helps usher in a legitimately regenerative ag movement, or at least we do our part for it. So let me explain the agronomy first, the plant physiology. All farmer advisors, whether the pest control advisors or crop advisors have one job in common, and that is to go and minimize stress on the farmer's crops because stress comes at the expense of paid yields. If crops are under stress, they don't grow. If we're under stress and we're sick, We don't go work out. We don't go to work. We don't want to do all these sorts of things. What happens with the plants is they shift their metabolism from primary metabolism to secondary metabolism. That is from producing sugars to phenols, which are broad spectrum compounds that deal with pathogens, pests, nutrient imbalances, heat and cold stress, you name it. They rub with stress is that it's only detected by advisors or even the farmer after the fact. 
after the damage is done. So what we do is we use thermal processes to produce light molecular weight in phenols under very high temperatures, under vacuum conditions, within a biorefinery framework, okay, to produce a liquid that we apply to the crops in advance to help them mitigate that stress so that they can basically maintain their energy on growing, on crop yields, on producing more sugars, more micronutrient uptake, growing, surviving, making the farmer money as opposed to surviving. So plants produce these things with enzymes. We produce them with heat under a biorefinery operation. Wow, that's awesome. And what are the kind of differences that you see for these crops that you put the liquid upon? So here's a big one. On tomatoes last year, one of the more prominent growers of processing tomatoes put our product on 944 acres. He had 2,400 acres that we were not on, okay? So it was 944 acres on about 20 different ranches, and we delivered him on average a 30 5.4% increase in paid ton plus a $3 premium for ton because he was also able to cut his nitrogen loads in half by 50%. Now that's extraordinary. So if you yeah. think if the average return on sales and net income is let's say between seven and 10%, and we give you a 35% increase, that's a 350, almost a 400% increase in net profit. Now that farmer's going to 5,000 acres this year and we're on all of his acres. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And do you see that with similar farmers are just finding, they start applying this, this yeah. liquid that you guys provide in and they're just seeing the yields consistently. We, we are. And when I first started this out, I thought we'd work on tomatoes and romaine, lettuce, and annual crops. We're right. also seeing tremendous response in permanent crops. We're going into citrus orchards that are decades old and being ripped out. And with one and a half gallons of this material, literally resurrecting the orchard. We're in citrus, all the nut crops. We're in olives. We're in grapes. We're in 80 different crops, including rice, and getting great results across the board. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really one of those. Cool. It's one of those really pleasant surprises that you only learn by getting out there and doing trials with lots of farmers. Yeah, definitely. And how are you getting in touch with new farmers? What is your process for getting new farmers? knowledgeable about this? A lot of it is word of mouth and boots on the ground, frankly. And then at some point, word gets out and things begin to tip and you generate what we say in marketing parlance, pull. So mm -hmm. we're starting to generate pull. But initially, it was a lot of walking the fields, meeting with farmers, with our partners, our channel partners like Penny Newman, which is they're selling the majority of our product. And this is a company that's been around for 143 years. They one of the biggest ag commodity companies companies in the Western United States, and they're leveraging their balance sheet really to go after regenerative agricultural inputs because that's where all the tailwinds are. That's where the money is to be made. So they have a lot of these farmer relationships that we're able to tap into, and then we're able to leverage those successes to tell other farmers about what their peers are able to achieve. And then things begin to roll. And that's yeah, the position yeah. we're in right now. That's awesome. When things just start to be able to snowball, that's a really good position to be in for sure. So I know you have three different products that you guys are selling up on your website, the biochar and the different fertilizers that you use. What has been the most popular for farmers to implement it on their fields? The easiest one for them to use is something that slides right into their existing practices. Their fields are either on drip or sprinkler or foliar. 
So Corifol to that end, because it's a liquid, is the easiest to use and is giving the best returns because it gets integrated right into the baseline nutrient mix. So without a doubt, the Corifol product is really what's driving the overall revenues. So just quickly to that end, Billy, people know that we make biochar and we're selling that to composters and farmers. And we are a biochar company, but really in terms of the Pareto of the value creation, we're a biochemistry company, a biodistillate company. So that's really what sets Corrigin apart from other biochar companies. Definitely very cool. And how did you guys come up with the process for creating your chlorophore? So we have a, an industrial partner that we acquired the intellectual property to this platform through all past, present, and future IP on all biomass. The genius behind this was a former professor of chemical engineering at Laval University who'd been at this for a long time way before anybody thought about biochar, way before regenerative ag was part of our lexicon a long time ago. So he was ahead of the, his curve. And so we're partnering with him to now access his IP, build systems. And so he is a thermal deconstruction biorefinery guru in the space that is lined with us who are pretty good marketeers and salespeople, so to speak. Bringing it to business, exactly. taking it from lab and applying it to and scaling it up to business. That's the whole thing. I mean, a key it, purpose. It, <laughs> agriculture and climate is a go home or, or go big or go home proposition for sure. Awesome. And I watched your TED talk that you gave back in 2017. I thought it was really cool. And I recommend anybody who's listening to this to definitely go check it out. And I'll give a link in the show notes and the description and everything. But you also mentioned three of the biggest challenges for selling this product to farmers and out there in the world. How have you've been going on each of these things throughout the past five years since 2017. Thanks for that comment. First of all, Billy, yeah, when definitely. you watch your own stuff, you always know what you could have done better. So oh, I'm my critic on that, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I basically talked about education, engineering, and economics. We had to educate the farmers out there about how this product can work. And that's going extraordinarily well, particularly with our partners like Penny Newman, who, as I said before, is our key distributor. Now we're selling to farmers who manage about 750,000 acres of farmland on 80 different crops. So I feel like the message is getting out and the results are coming in and customers are buying again and converting to more acreage. So I think we're doing a pretty good job on the education. The engineering is done. So our plant in Merced is operating at a half a ton of almond shells an hour, but we've built systems now that will run at two tons per hour and have systems capable of going to six and a half tons per hour on the drawing board. So we don't think engineering for us is a big risk. On the economic side, it's tied to education right? Because we want to sell a lot of product. We want to build plants all around the world, but the economics are very compelling for us because we produce 76% product yield per ton of biomass, which is extraordinary in terms of the ability to produce free cash flow and margins while at the same time being able to sell products to farmers that are very cheap. So the economics are really important. 
But I want to make one more comment on economics with regard to climate change and carbon removal. I think I made it earlier too. Carbon removal for us is a fascinating and emerging field, but we are unconstrained by carbon economics because we produce products almost like on a pure B2B play that provide really great returns for our customers. So that is at our core. We're a manufacturing company. We're selling to farmers, just selling widgets to company X. We're selling inputs to Farmer Jones. And that process in and of itself is carbon negative. So carbon economics and carbon revenue for us basically just provides additional cash that helps us scale our operations. So it's a pretty exciting time for us. So I feel like the economics are really being proven out. That's really cool. And what are your goals for Coorigin Solutions in the rest of 2022? Well, it's raising expansion capital. We're doing a series A round now. We've got some really interested partners and some strategics that are looking at this. Maybe a couple of years ago, they may not have thought that this crazy idea would work, but now that we're proving them wrong, they're coming back around. So <laughs> you, you can't grow without capital. So we're raising a series A, which we think will be our last round of that, which is all going to growth. And then frankly, growing sales, block and tackling, hiring the best team. Look, the best teams win, period. Just watch the Warriors beat the Celtics tonight to win because of the better team. I'm a Warriors fan now here up in Northern California. Best teams <laughs> nice. win. So it's raising capital, raising sales, raising the best team possible. Those are really my goals. Very cool. And I want to ask some kind of entrepreneurial facing questions for mm -hmm. any of the ecopreneurs here in the audience too. So how did you go about having the ability to go on to the TED talk and get the chance to speak to that audience? What kind of led to your being able to do that? Well, it was actually inbound. Students at my alma mater approached me. So I guess they basically Googled some of the things I may have said at various conferences, the World Economic Forum Conference or whatever. And they thought, hey, you know, this guy can speak. And so they called me and they said, look, we'd like you to do a TEDx talk. We don't know what you want to talk about. Come up with something. So I did. So it was all inbound. So I would just say my advice to getting noticed by the TED community or customers or investors or employers, employees is blow your own horn. No one's going to blow it for you. Blow it loud, blow it really well, and hopefully others will listen. That's great. And then I also noticed when I was doing some research on your LinkedIn and on your webpage, there were some people who are very like negative towards some of the work that you were doing. How do you take that with a grain of salt and then just know what you're doing is important and doing great work? Because they just, a lot of them were just very, just didn't understand exactly what you were doing. They were very like just looking at it at face value and didn't actually dive into what you were doing. And so yeah. had no real idea. So how do you roll with those punches and just keep your head high? You got to let it just go past you. Running a startup is the hardest thing there is to do in business. And it's very time consuming. And so why waste any energy to educate trolls and negative Nellies, Billy? It just makes no sense. And maybe once upon a time, I might've punched back. That's what they want. They only want to fight and they're ignorant, but almost universally, I find that these dumbest and most ignorant comments come from people who don't know the science and the technology and have never run a startup. If they come from a point of experience or they have actually a compelling point, maybe I'll respond, but otherwise just take your negative comments and go away because 
you know, I got to keep my head down, my eyes forward and run as fast as I can. Definitely. And you guys are killing it. You've got the thousands of acres of farmers that are working with you and using your product. So it's not like you're not doing anything good <laughs> for this world. So that's great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do. And the key to, to the Corrigin model is how do you create a business that can do really well and in and of itself, do really good things. Yeah. And uh, it's hard. It's great to be where we are at this moment, but it's really hard. Anybody that started a business knows that very well. Definitely. And I like to ask this question as well. What are you currently learning right now? I read science every night. Okay. It's one of the things I do in the evening after I get done with businesses, I try to learn something new. So I'm focused on anything that has to do with regenerative agriculture, plant metabolism, soil microbiome, anything related to soil sequestration, et cetera. If you think about it, just not too long ago, nobody really gave a rip about soil. It's dirt. We walk on it, we step on it, we abuse it. But now that shifted. So many of the world scientists realized, wow, this stuff is insanely complex. It holds more carbon than all land plants and the atmosphere combined by 2x. And if we continue to destroy it, we're all screwed. And so this is space exploration back in the 50s and 60s. And yet that medium that we're exploring is right below our feet. And so I need to try and keep up as much as possible with the state of the science that's emerging to be hopefully as smart as the next guy. Yeah, so that, definitely. that's really what I'm constantly learning. That's really cool. Yeah. I had a member from Save Soil and the Isha Foundation on a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. on the podcast, and they, they were very passionate about that too, about how yeah. important it the soil was and how much we need to take care of and need to regenerate the soil and how important that really is for our livelihood. And on top of that, they mentioned the carbon that it's holding and all yeah. sorts of stuff is it's so important. And we just think of it as dirt <laughs> and it's, it's not just dirt, it's so much more. Look, there are only, there are only five, the five major reservoirs, which is a technical term for carbon, are basically the atmosphere. We don't mm -hmm. want to put more carbon into the atmosphere. That's bad. We've got the oceans. We don't want to put more carbon into the oceans. That acidifies the ocean. That's bad. There aren't enough land plants on earth to solve the particular problem. Even if we double and triple all the trees and grasses and crops on, the, on earth, that's not going to make much of a difference. Shoving the carbon deep underground is a great thing for climate mitigation, but doesn't solve for soil fertility, which is the last of the five major and the biggest potential reservoir of carbon. And remember, it's in the soil where we provide tremendous collinear value around food and water security. Because I don't think you, I'm a little older than you, Billy, you don't want to live in a world where we're going to clear out 8% of the world's landmass to feed the world, do you? And it's just, we're running out of room. Yeah. Plus, like, where are the solar panels going to go? Yeah, exactly. So if anyone wants to reach out to you and partner with you or hear more about what you do, how to support you, how can they get in touch with you? Best way is always email Mike at Corrigin.co, not .com, but .co. You could pull me up in LinkedIn. I think I might be one of the only two or three Michael Wolks in all of LinkedIn universe, so it'd be pretty simple. Or through our website, which is Corrigin.co. Great. Thank you so much, Mike, for jumping on the show. I really appreciate it. It was really interesting to learn all about what you guys are doing at Corrigin Solutions, and it was great to have you. Well, thanks, Billy. And if you enjoyed this interview with Michael Volk and Coorgin Solutions and hearing all about how they are helping farmers increase their crop yields and return and also remove carbon from the atmosphere at the same time, 
I invite you to check out this interview with Aswin. He is a volunteer with the Easter Foundation and the Save Soil Movement, and we talk all about how important it is to save our soil. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in taking your green business to the next level, consider checking out our Business Creativity Mastermind linked in the show notes below to harness the power of creativity and innovation to 10x your business. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.